0: Hello, everyone. Today, I'm going to tell you the origin story of one of the most beloved characters in the history of popular storytelling. This is Breakfast with Gilgamesh. In 16th century China, a collection of stories was printed about a pious monk named Tan Sangzang, later to be named Tripitaka. The stories concerned his quest to recover sacred Buddhist scriptures from far-off lands in the 8th century AD in order to bring them back to China and begin a new age of enlightenment. The stories were collected and centuries later dubiously accredited to the author and poet Wu Chang'an, This 100 chapter magnum opus concerned the monk's adventures across China, Tibet, Nepal, and India. Through many trials, he is accompanied by a river dragon, a sand monk, a shapeshifting pig monster, and the subject of today's story the multi talented, all powerful, and notoriously incorrigible Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. When I was 11, I befriended a boy named Sheng, who was in my home class. Sheng had recently moved to Canada with his family from China. We were both awkward, introspective kids, but we bonded over our mutual obsession with mythology. We'd hang out in the library and tell each other stories of our favorite characters from the Greek and Norse pantheon, but Sheng's favorite mythological subject was one I had never heard of before. Here was a mighty warrior who could transform into 72 unique forms, who was stronger faster and more clever than any of his foes. He could clone himself by plucking the hairs from his head and blowing on them. He wielded a golden staff that could be as tall as a building, or so small that he could tuck it behind his ear. It took very little effort for my 11-year-old soul not to only fall in love with Wukong, but to recognize him everywhere, and particularly as the inspiration for my favorite cartoon when I was a kid, Dragon Ball. Sun Wukong's spirit prevails Eastern storytelling to this day. He's inspired at least a million comic books, movies, plays, operas, video games, television shows, pretty much any form of media you can name. The staying power of Sun Wukong is matched only by his ubiquity, all this despite the fact that he is not the protagonist of his source text. So today, I'm going to tell you the story of this character's origins, from before he met the monk Tripitaka and they began their famous journey. This story is Chinese, but the telling of it is mine, and is my responsibility in the tradition of the oral storyteller. So I hope you'll forgive any embellishments, deviations, or outright flights of fancy that I indulge in as I tell it to you. So now, let's begin with the incredible origin story of the stone monkey. Gua Mountain was a bountiful sanctuary to all who resided there, a land of flower and fruit, where cool fresh rivers trickled down its redstone face and dense forest coated its entirety. The mighty winds blew over its majestic summit, where a great stone perched at its very tip, until it cracked in two, and from its center came an egg, which took shape, changed by wear, into the form of a monkey. When the last fleck of dust had blown from its nose, the stone monkey came to life, and beams of light burst from its eyes all the way up to the Star Palace of the Jade Emperor of Heaven. The Jade Emperor started from his throne and looked down from heaven at Huoguo Mountain and saw the stone monkey bowing to each of the four cardinal directions. The emperor clucked his tongue and said, What a bother. Well, he seems a pious monkey. Surely no trouble will come of this one and went back about his divine business. Monkey spent his days befriending tiger and crane alike, frolicking among the mighty trees and learning the simple joys of life, like eating fruit and napping in the shade. He became famous among the animals of the mountain for his fun-loving nature and his remarkable strength. One sunny day, as Monkey lay by the shore of a stream which flowed down the mountainside, considering the nuances of the art of scratching one's belly, a troop of givens descended from the trees and surrounded him. Monkey sprang from his feet and flicked his tail, grinning. New friends! What game is this? The oldest among the gibbons, the fur that ringed his face silver with age, approached with his long arms folded behind his back. Monkey placed his hands on his hips and puffed out his chest. Stone Monkey, of the Heavenly Egg, we beseech you. Monkey blinked and touched his chin. You what, me? Oh, uh… It means we need your help." Oh! I've never helped someone before. Is it fun?" The old gibbon thought for a moment, then said, It is said to be its own reward. Monkey beamed. Sounds efficient! I'm in! The gibbons led Monkey up along the stream until they came to a vast wall of rushing water pounding down on the stream. There was a sound like thunder blowing all around them, and the gibbons all cowered and hid behind rocks and trees. Monkey approached the waterfall and scratched his head. This is what you need help with? Yes, Brave Monkey. Will you help us? What exactly do you want me to do? Do you hear that? That's the sound of a great monster. It hides behind the wall of water, waiting for us to approach, so it can snatch us up and gobble us as we bathe. The Gibbons believed that the mighty roar of the water was the call of some lurking predator. Monkey had met many predators in his time, the tiger, the fox, the dragon, the snake, None of them sounded quite like this. Please, brave Monkey, the one who would be so courageous as to breach the water and find what is waiting there on the other side, would surely be the greatest Monkey who ever lived, great enough to be our king. Monkey liked the sound of that. He leapt into the air, and in one great bounding kick pierced the waterfall. What he found behind it was not a beast, but a cave with an iron bridge and a beautiful palace he approached the palace curiously, crossing the bridge and sniffing about. Hello, called Monkey. Is there a very loud monster here who needs their butt kicked? But no answer came. As Monkey approached the entrance to the palace, he noticed a little sign that read, The Happy Land of Flower Fruit Garden, the Palace of Heaven's Cave. Outside, the gibbons crowded around each other, at the base of the waterfall, picking fleas off each other, And wondering if that strange monkey had already been eaten by the monster. How surprised they were when he came leaping down the waterfall, splashing headfirst into the stream, and leaping back out to join them. I have a surprise for you all, said Monkey, puffing out his chest and winking at the Elder Gibbon. Follow me! The monkeys were reluctant, but one by one each hopped through the waterfall and into the cave. They marveled at the bridge and crowded into the empty heavenly palace, swinging from rafter beams and jumping on furniture. The Elder Gibbon was the last to enter the Vale, and he was so astonished that he sat down on the whetstone floor of the cave to gawk in awe. Monkey noticed the Elder at the entrance and shooed off the Gibbons he was playing with to approach him and help him to his feet. "'Well?' said Monkey. "'It's amazing,' said the Elder. "'You braved the waterfall and brought our salvation. You are our new leader.' "'Do I get a title?' asked Monkey." "'Oh,' said the elder. "'I suppose so. How does Monkey King sound?' Monkey pursed his lips and picked his ear before saying, "'How about Handsome Monkey King?' From that day forth, the Handsome Monkey King ruled with benevolence and bravery. The monkeys lived in the heavenly palace, and there was joy and peace. One morning, as the monkeys awoke with the sun, Monkey, lounging on his throne and eating a mango, noticed that the Elder Gibbon had not emerged from his bedchamber. He got up and barged into the room, shouting, Wakey wakey, Pops! The sun's up and we've got all kinds of fun things to do today! But the Elder didn't stir. He just laid there in his bed, motionless. Monkey approached the Elder and placed a hand on his shoulder. He was cold. Hey, Pops! What's the matter? Guys, get in here! Something's wrong with Pops! A few of the monkeys entered the bedchamber, and their heads hung low, each in turn passed their fingertips over the elder's limp palm. I don't get it. What's going on? asked Monkey. Handsome Monkey King, said one of the Gibbons. The elder has passed on. Monkey scratched his head. Passed on from what? Elder has died, O pulchritudinous one. Monkey blinked, and his bottom lip went slack. Why do you go do that? All things must die, handsome Monkey King. Even you will die one day. Monkey didn't like the sound of this one bit. He went back to his throne and thought about this puzzle for days. The funerary rites were performed, and the Elder was sent to his final rest. After weeks of contemplation, Monkey sprang up from his throne and leapt out from behind the waterfall veil. Standing tall and pronouncing to all his subjects on Huaguao Mountain that, I, the handsome Monkey King, ruler of Flower Fruit Mountain, steward of the Heavenly Palace, will seek out and master a cure against death, so I can never take another subject from my benevolent reign. And off he went, bounding down the road away from Huaguao. Monkey traveled the roads of eastern China, fighting off craven bandits and hungry demons. At each temple, tavern, and tree he visited, he would ask the same question to anyone who would answer. Where can I find an immortal to be my mentor? He heard every rumor and whisper that was offered to him and pursued each with vigor. Such was the life of the Monkey King until he came to a mountain very much like his own. As he approached the mountain's base, he was greeted by an old monk clad in rags. Hello! Where can I find an immortal to be my mentor? asked Monkey. An immortal? grunted the old monk. I wish I could tell you, handsome monkey. This is the mountain of heart and mind, and I am the monk Sabuti, a simple beggar as you can see. Monkey squatted down to meet the man's eyes, which glimmered with a soft green light. A beggar monk, huh? said Monkey, a smile curling on his lips. You can't fool me. I'm a clever monkey. There's an immortal here. "'No, I suppose not, huh? Well, go on, then. To the summit of the mountain. Find the cave of the slanting moon and three stars. There's what you're after.' "'No fibbing,' said Monkey. "'No fibbing,' said the monk with a grin. Monkey bounded through the forests of the mountain, fearing neither snake nor tiger nor hunter, for those that were not his friends would be subject to his monkey justice. As night fell, he came at last to the mouth of a cave, and with his chest stuck out and his shoulders back, stomped through its mouth, and said in a demanding tone, Immortal, I wish to learn from you. Show yourself. From the darkness came an orange glow, and there emerged the old monk he had met at the base, holding a simple torch in one hand and his begging bowl in the other. Oh, it's you. You said no fibbing. Yes, it's me. Yeah, it's… oh, it's you! Monkey leapt for joy and squealed with delight. It's you! It's you! It's you! So, said the beggar monk, what is it you wish to learn? I want to learn how to beat death! I want to learn how to make sure none of my subjects ever dies! The monk was stunned for a moment, then laughed. That's a noble desire. So you'll teach me? The monk stroked his straggly beard and thought. He looked Monkey up and down and said, I suppose I could teach you a few things. Yes. Monkey fell to his knees and prostrated himself before the monk in thanks, and from that instant, his training began. Monkey trained under the monk Tsuboti studiously. As the years went by, Subodhi took on more students, but none could surpass Monkey's raw talent for combat and transformation. Where Monkey fell behind was in the realm of Courtly manner. The arbitrary rules of courtesy and high society befuddled his impish Monkey nature, and when asked to uncurl his wrists or walk with the dignity of an aristocrat, he was mocked by his fellow students. Nevertheless, Monkey became Sabuti's star pupil, and after seven years of training, he had mastered deathlessness. When the time came for Monkey to return to the Mountain of Flower and Fruit, where his subjects were waiting for his return, Sabuti approached him, stroking his beard and considering his student. Monkey bowed low and said, Master, Master, it has been my highest honor to learn the seventy-two transformations, the forms of combat, and the secret of deathlessness, under your wise mentorship. I am eternally grateful. Subodhi chuckled, for Monkey's curly tail jutting into the air betrayed the august air he attempted. Pupil, before you leave my mountain, I have a gift for you. Monkey's eyes twinkled with excitement, and he bounced around Subuti, flailing his arms. Gimme, gimme, gimme! Subodhi flicked his eyebrow up at Monkey, who immediately froze in place and stood at attention. Subodhi cleared his throat and said, My gift to you is a name befitting a warrior of your talents. I name you Sun Wukong. Monkey sniffed. Sun Wukong? Sun Wukong. Sun Wukong! Master, my name is Sun Wukong, the immortal Monkey King Sun Wukong! Thank you, Master! Thank you!" Sun Wukong resumed his bouncing, squeaking and hooting with joy. Now that you are immortal, I must warn you, Sun Wukong. Warn me? The method by which I have taught you deathlessness is not looked upon favorably by the heavens, and the courts of heaven will try three times to end your life and bring you to heal. Monkey thumbed his nose and grinned. That doesn't worry me one bit. Sun Wukong is the mighty king of Flower Fruit Mountain. I'll fight whatever comes against me, and if I can't fight it, I'll take one of my new forms and hide from it. I'm a brave and clever monkey master. You don't have to worry about a thing. Subodi stuck his chin out to force down the smile curling at his lips as Sun Wukong leapt high into the air and took the form of a dragonfly, buzzing off, back to Huaguo. Sun Wukong's feet met the familiar stones of Huoguo Mountain as the sun set on a warm day. His keen eyes darted every which way, looking for monkeys who would welcome their magnificent ruler back with open arms, but none appeared to be around. Wukong leapt in a single bound over the length of the great flower fruit stream toward the waterfall that hid his palace. As he descended through the veil, he was shocked to find even his heavenly palace was empty. Monkey made his way swiftly to the summit of the mountain where he had first hatched from the stone egg and shouted, Brothers! Sisters! Where are you? Your king has returned! But there was no answer. Monkey found himself moping by the side of the stream where he had first met his subjects. He thought of the Elder, whose death brought him all the way to the furthest reaches of China and back, and how much he missed him. After some time, a white vixen emerged from the trees and bowed its head at Wu Kong who smiled, for he was glad for any company. "'Little fox!' said Wukong. "'Do you know where my brothers and sisters are?' The fox whimpered. "'Great, handsome Monkey King of Flower Fruit Mountain, it is my solemn duty to tell you that a demon king has stolen your subjects and enslaved them.' Monkey shot up from his feet and snarled. "'A demon king!' The vixen raised her head and nodded. "'Yes, great king. Most fearsome is the demon. He wields a curved sword, for which all must submit. Monkey pursed his lips. Where is he? Where has he taken my brothers and sisters? He arrives from the north like a storm cloud, Great King, and is gone just as swiftly. He plunders your palace and subjugates your people. Monkey thumbed his nose and leapt into the air, transforming once again into a dragonfly and making his way north where he could see a black billowing pillar of smoke on the horizon. The jagged palace of the king of havoc clattered with work. Monkeys were lashed by lesser demons to carry stones and repair collapsed walls, each moaning and crying for their salvation. The king himself sat on his black throne, bored and impatient. On his lap, sat the terrible weapon, a scimitar forged in hellfire. He began to doze off with his head in his hand when he noticed the dragonfly, with beautiful golden wings, buzzing around his head. Before he had a chance to notice it was transforming, Wukong's foot found his cheek and sent him flying off the throne into the ground. The King of Havoc leapt up and swung wildly as he charged Wukong, but the Monkey King was too fast. He swatted Havoc King's fists away with the flick of his wrists, and landed his forehead squarely between Havoc King's eyes, sending him reeling backwards. Who in heaven's name? Wukong puffed out his chest and snorted. I am the handsome monkey king of Flower Fruit Mountain, Sun Wukong. Free my brothers and sisters, or prepare to face the consequences, demon. The king of Havoc charged again. And again, Wukong easily avoided his blows and swatted him on the nose, flipping over his shoulder and kicking the back of his head so he fell onto his face. The King of Havoc screamed and got up again, noticing his scimitar lying on the ground before him. He grabbed it and swung around, lifting it to bring low on Wukong's head. Wukong extended his index finger and blocked the scimitar's blow with it. The King of Havoc was dumbfounded, as Kong grabbed the blade and kicked him so hard in the chest that he let it go. And flew backwards. The mighty king of havoc's subjects made for Wu Kong, but he took the king's scimitar in his hand and cut them all down with lightning-fast strikes. The king of havoc got up to his knees and saw Wu Kong standing over him, the scimitar's bloodied edge dripping wet. The king of havoc prostrated himself before the king of Flower Fruit Mountain, and the monkeys were free. Wukong brought the monkeys back to Flower Fruit Mountain and immediately set to the task of training them. He taught them courtly manner as best he could, and showed them how to defend themselves with spears and bows. Huaguo Mountain would be able to defend itself should its king ever be sent away again. One lazy morning, as Wukong lounged on a rock, a cloud crept through the sky towards the mountain. It carried with it an ominous and terrible aura and the monkeys chattered and flocked to their king to protect them. Wu Kong approached the gate to Hua Guo, yawning and scratching his belly. He noticed that below the ominous storm cloud, there was a marching parade of monsters. There were hundreds of them, each dressed in black armor, carrying every manner of weapon on their person. Some had animal heads, some had no heads at all, some rode mighty steeds, and some flew above their compatriots, but all were on the march to the mountain of fruit and flowers. Wukong told the monkeys to gather the animals of Huaguo and hide them. Then he walked out to meet the parade of demons with his hands on his hips and his shoulders back. As he approached, he saw the King of Havoc covered in bandages among the crowd. But when he met the troop, it was a broad-chested buffalo demon, wearing gilded armor and wielding a massive club, who stepped forward.
1: I am the Ox King, and I am here to speak with the one who is known as the Monkey King of the Mountain of Flowers and Fruit. Son Wukong. Monkey King
0: crossed his arms over his chest and flicked his tail. You found him? Looking to start a fight and end up like your buddy? Wukong pointed to the King of Havoc, who flinched and whimpered. Ox King stroked his long black beard and said,
1: Uh, actually, we were hoping we could come to an agreement.
0: An agreement?
1: Sounds boring.
0: Ox King laughed and nodded, folding both hands behind his back and bending his head to Wukong.
1: Boring can be beneficial, great handsome Monkey King.
0: Wukong liked being flattered, and pursed his lips. Go on. Ox King waved his arm at the crowd of demons behind him, and each bent their knee and bowed their head to Wukong, who watched dumbfounded.
1: We are the demon kings of the eastern provinces. You have defeated the great and powerful king of Havoc with ease. We wish to form an alliance with his eminence. What do you say? Wow! cried
0: Wukong, and hopped up and down with joy. This is great!
1: Be warned, said the Ox King,
0: for to make an ally of
1: us is to side against the powers of heaven.
0: Wukong snickered and waved his hand flippantly in the air. Oh, those guys already don't like me very much. You got yourself an ally. The demons threw a feast for Wukong and the officers in his new monkey army. So what happens now? Asked Wukong over a bowl of wine. Well, said Ox King,
1: now that you are recognized as the legitimate king of the mountain of flowers and fruit, your royalty.
0: Wukong liked the sound of that and said,
1: Now that I'm officially
0: king, I'll need a weapon and clothing befitting my divine stature. Where can I get a cool weapon like yours? Ox King thought for a moment and said,
1: Go to the river of the dragons of the Eastern Sea. Now that you are king, they must pay you a tribute befitting royalty, and you'll have your pick of divine weapons.
0: Wukong was so excited by this idea, he didn't even finish his wine before bounding off toward the Eastern Sea. Under many thousand fathoms, Wukong found the Palace of the Dragons, where the Eastern Dragon King kept court. Wukong kicked the door open and marched into the main hall, announcing himself proudly. "'Well met, Weapon Masters. I am the great and handsome Monkey King of the Mountain of Fruit and Flowers, and I have come to give you the honor of my company. Where, oh where, is a gift befitting my arrival?' The Dragon King watched all this with his jaw slack in shock. Never had he seen such impudence. At once he waved his hand, and three octopi warriors, each bearing divine weapons, rushed at Wukong. The octopi swung their weapons at the Monkey King, who easily avoided each attack and began snatching the weapons from the clutches of the warriors. He snagged axes, swords, spears, and bows, examining each before discarding them. These are all very nice, but I don't think they're for me. I'll put them to good use, though. My brothers and sisters can use them. Dragon King held his face in his hands, watching in horror as his guards were dispatched by this little stone monkey as if they were simple annoyances. An old turtle sage approached the Dragon King amidst the chaos and whispered,
1: Your Highest Majesty,
0: might I recommend we simply let the monkey pick something out so he'll leave? Then we can raise a protest with the Jade Emperor and be rid of him. The Eastern Dragon King nodded and threw both hands up, stopping the warriors and freezing Wukong in his place. Most auspicious
1: Monkey King, surely these weapons are not befitting one so august as you. Please, follow me to my treasury, and you shall have the weapon of your choice to, uh, take your leave with.
0: Monkey King grinned and dropped the octopus warrior he had been beating. The two kings made their way to a room sealed by a tall golden door. The Dragon King waved his hand, and the door swung open. The room was covered in swords, shields, axes, spears, maces, and daggers. Monkey marveled at all of it, wandering amongst the great stone pillars and picking up, then dropping, every item he found. Hmm, said Wukong. It's all pretty impressive, I guess. Hey, what's that? Monkey pointed excitedly at a suit of red and gold armor adorned with reliefs of mighty dragons. Their eyes were rubies, their teeth were diamonds. Monkey ran over to it and stroked the plating with his paws. The dragon king cleared his throat and said,
1: That is, uh, that is the armor I wore as a young warlock. It's made of the gold of heaven. It's of great sentimental value to me." Before the Dragon King could
0: finish what he was saying, Wukong had already slid the armor onto his body and was fastening the ornate headdress at the top of his head. "'Oh, uh,
1: please be careful. The headdress has real phoenix feathers, and I'd hate for anything to happen to it.'" Wukong patted
0: himself down and posed in the armor. "'This is perfect. I'll take it!' Dragon King was too annoyed to argue, and held the bridge of his nose. No,
1: I. You know what?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Take it and leave.
0: Wukong beamed with joy and bounced around the Dragon King, shouting, Thank you, Great Dragon King! Thank you, Lord of the Eastern Sea! You have the gratitude of the handsome Monkey King, master of 72 forms, greatest warrior in all of China! Yes, okay, thank you. Now, please, I bid you good day, King. But wait, said Monkey King. I haven't even picked out a weapon. Dragon King clenched his teeth and began to grow. His muscles got bigger, his eyes lit with white heavenly fire, his teeth grew sharp. He had had enough. But Wukong didn't notice. He had wandered away and wrapped his arms around one of the stone pillars and proceeded to lift it with ease. Dragon King shrank back down to a more welcoming form and gulped. The monkey was quite strong. Wukong lifted the golden pillar above his head and concentrated for a moment, and the pillar began to shrink, and shrink, and shrink, until it was the length of Wukong himself. He twirled the pillar in his hands and around his neck, flipping in the air and striking it to the ground to balance on his tip. This will make a fine weapon, said Sun Wukong. He marched up to the Dragon King, who was still frozen in shock. He bowed graciously to him and left the Eastern Sea to make for home with his armor his staff, and a pile of weapons under his arm. Wukong, having armed his officers with divine weapons, forged an alliance with the army of the powerful Demon Kings, unlocked the secrets of immortality, and procured armor befitting his magnificence, was having a nap in a tree one day, when two emissaries of the Underworld approached. They were silent as they slid the Monkey King into a sack and carried him down to Hell. When Monkey King awoke, he realized immediately that he had been kidnapped. Excuse me, where are you taking me, might I ask? The emissaries looked at each other, then at the sack, and one of them said,
1: Quiet in there. You'll be in hell soon enough, impudent mortal.
0: And kicked the sack with his cloven hoof. Mortal, said Monkey. I'm not mortal. The emissaries laughed and said,
1: We'll just see.
0: Monkey didn't take kindly to being laughed at and forced the bag open, kicking both emissaries in the head on his way out, knocking them both unconscious. Wukong looked around and saw the gates of hell before him, and instead of making his way back just yet, he grew ten times his normal size and stomped through the gates. Demons and hellspawn attempted to intervene in his tantrum, but each were dispatched with ease until Wukong made his way to the court of the Ten Kings of Hell, growing his golden staff and battering the doors open. What's the big idea? demanded Wukong, shrinking back down to his normal size. The kings of hell had heard the ruckus Wukong was making, and they nervously bowed to the Monkey King. "'I made myself immortal fair and square! You jokers think you can just sneak me into the afterlife while I'm napping?' "'No, of course not, eminent king of Hua Guo. There must have been some mistake, you see. The Ledgers of the Dead had the name Sun Wukong written in them, and our emissaries were simply doing their divine duty.' Surely the ledger referred to some other Sun Wukong. Monkey squinted and said, That seems pretty unlikely. Show me the ledgers. But your grace, said one of the kings, we can't just give the sacred ledgers of life and death to anyone who asks for them. Wukong's eyes burned as he grew taller again. Four arms sprouted from his sides, and his fangs became that of a baboon, long and sharp. His roar was deafening, and his feet made craters where they landed until the kings, afraid their court would collapse over their heads, agreed to take Monkey to the imperial records. The Ten Kings of Heaven frantically produced the records of those scheduled to be brought down to hell, and there in the black and white was Sun Wukong in bold. Well, said Monkey King, that's a funny mistake. Here, I'll fix it, and dipped his tail into an inkpot and scratched his name out of the Ledger of Death. As the Kings of Heaven frantically pleaded with Wukong to stop, he happily grabbed as many ledgers as he could get his hands on, and scratched out the name of every monkey he found there, ensuring the protection of his people forever. Wukong left the hall and made his way back to the Realm of Mortals and to Flower Fruit Mountain to tell his brothers and sisters the good news. In the palace of the Jade Emperor, the King of Heaven himself could not see the end of the line of petitioners before his throne. Each had the same complaint. A monkey, more powerful and more reckless than any mortal they had ever met, had made a terrible mess, and each demanded that the Emperor do something about it. Tai Bai Jing, the Emperor's wisest advisor, stood before the throne and held out his hands. Subjects of his most radiant majesty, the Jade Emperor of Heaven The monkey Sun Wukong will be dealt with. Please leave the court in good spirits, for this problem is our highest priority. The petitioners chattered for a moment before dispersing from the court and leaving the Jade Emperor and Jin Jing alone. Well, said Jin Jing, this monkey presents a dilemma. The Jade Emperor clucked his tongue. Does he? Let's simply arrest the little scoundrel and be done with it. Arrest him, said Jin Jing. This little scoundrel has mastered the seventy-two changing arts. He has attained divine armor, and with all due respect to your eminence, might I suggest a more nuanced approach to this problem? The Jade Emperor cleared his throat and stood up from his throne. Go on. I have watched the monkey since the gold light from his eyes pierced the heavens. He is not an evil monkey, just an impulsive one. I suggest we offer him structure, Bring him to court and offer him a position here in heaven, something befitting his mighty strength and cunning. Jade Emperor cocked an eyebrow and folded his hands behind his back. What did you have in mind, Spirit of Venus? Xinjing smiled and bowed. Forgive my impertinence, Grace. Let me appoint the monkey to the position of Bima Wen. Jade Emperor thought for a moment, then nodded, and off Xinjing went, down to Huaguo, to find Wukong and inform him of his new position in the heavens. To be continued. For almost four centuries, the stories of the Monkey King Wukong have inspired, delighted, and entertained billions of people around the world. The journey to the west, is one of the four classical novels of Chinese literature. Fiction was long considered a low art in classical Chinese society. In fact, the word for fiction, roughly translated, meant lower discourses, but that did nothing to dull the popularity of Monkey and his exploits. Monkey's iconic impishness, boundless individualism, and penchant for funny antics have made him a pervasive figure of rebellion and joie de vivre in Chinese culture. And the multitude of adaptations, both direct and loosely inspired, have kept his presence in global culture ubiquitous. While The Journey to the West is popularly attributed to Wu Cheng'en, it's pretty well established that this attribution is quite dubious. Owing largely to a scholar of Cheng'en discovering a manifest of the poet's goods which included a manuscript of monkey stories, the true authorship of Wu Kong may never be known, and in this way he's a figure not unlike Robin Hood a pervasive but mysterious presence in the collective consciousness of the society he sprang from. Stories abound of his encounters with demons, gods, and historical figures such as Lao Tzu and Tripitaka, and the origins of the character itself span centuries of monkey stories from Chinese, Tibetan, Nepalese, and Indian storytelling traditions. Whatever his real origins, no other character, in all of fiction, from any culture, can match his universality. There is so much more to get to, and I plan to return to Monkey King and eventually the Journey to the West itself frequently. With each entry, I'll do my best to capture some of the rich allegory and profound spiritual nuance of the texts. As a central narrative of Chinese folklore and culture, there are infinite layers of message, tone, theme, and meaning to be explored, so expect to rejoin Sun Wukong in future episodes. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon.com breakfastwithgilgamesh with Gilgamesh. And if you'd like to read fiction by our humble host and author, accompanied by the incredible work of talented artists, you can find it at ZKLeverton.com. A special thanks to Sam Beck, who designed my beautiful logo, Thomas Holden, who composed the wonderful music you heard throughout, and to all the friends and partners who made this project possible with their time and insight. I'd also like to encourage anyone who is inspired or entertained by these stories, passed down through generations of Asian storytellers across the globe to me and you, guests in a magnificent cultural tradition spanning centuries, to consider visiting ButterflySW.org. It's a Toronto-based initiative formed to advocate for and assist Asian and migrant sex workers. Our Asian brothers and sisters are hurting right now, so please, if you can contribute to making things better, do. That's ButterflySW.org. Next episode, a girl lost in the woods, an old crone, and a house that walks. Join us then for more Breakfast with Gilgamesh.